0: The, the final thing we're talking about, right, is this, we're, we're doing, who do you think you are? The ID check. The ID check today is requirements, and I'm going to talk about that. Uh, but before that, we did, how many of you guys know what the R's are? We did, how many R's did we do? We did four R's. The first one was, come on, relationship. relationship. Thank you, staff. Come on, while people who go to this church? Uh, it was all about relationship, because really, we don't, go to a religion, we go to a relationship, right? We worship God, the Father, Jesus, our friend, the Holy Spirit, our, our counselor, our helper. Um, and I, t- I talked about renewal, about the transforming power. How many you guys love the transforming power of Jesus Christ? Come on. You guys are filling this seat because you are transformed, yeah? Some of you guys are brand new, and I want to tell you, God can transform your life. Some of you guys are walking in here, I need, I need some change. God can do that. He can renew you. And one of the things I said at the end of my sermon is, you are saints. I want you guys to repeat after me again. You are saints. Come on. Actually, let's personalize it. I am a saint. I, you are a saint. And basically what that means is, I'm holy. I'm a holy thing. Uh, a human being. I'm holy for God's purposes, to be used by the Lord. That's what a saint really means. Um, the third thing that Pastor Carl talked about was your role. Is basically, I'm not king anymore. God is king. That I should look like Jesus. That's our role. We should understand what that is. And so today, I'm talking about requirements. And it's pretty cool, right? We did the R's. Come on. Yeah. We're not trying to force feed this. But um, when I hear the word requirements, it's, it's kind of weird, I, I, and I, I want you to hear my heart on this because I'm one of those guys, like, I don't like to be made to do something. It's like, you got to do this, here's a list of requirements. You know, like, when you go to college, like, there's all your pre-reqs, Pre prereqs, I hate the prereqs. I got to take English 100 and History 151. I'm sorry, I want to move on to History 201, come on. But I got to do all this this prereq stuff, whatever it is. And I, I kind of want to make sure that when you, when you hear the word requirements in, in, the, in, the, uh, uh, in the context of the Lord's calling in your life, because that's what we're really talking about, is the personal calling on your life. When we talk about requirements, it's not what you have to do, it's what God made you to do. Yeah. Does, it, does that make sense? Amen. It's not like, oh, I have to do this for the Lord. I have to do this. No, God created you. He has a wonderful plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 specifically says, I have a future for you. I have a plan for you. It is a plan for good, not disaster. It is a plan for hope and a future. It's a specific individual plan. Um, the only way I can think about it, like uh, requirements is how many guys have ever bought like a brand new TV just recently? Right? Now... There's some requirements when you buy a TV now, right? Like, you don't want it in black and white, obviously. Um, You want HD, come on, right? You want the HDMI cable coming out of it. Um, Those fat TVs don't exist anymore right? My last TV before my TV I have now, I had those fat ones, those like huge, like the ones that like I literally come two feet from the wall and they're like, it barely fits in the thing. Now I have a 40 inch TV that I carried up by myself. I'm like, "Mm, here it is. It has to be a flat screen. Come on. Anybody hear me? Right? These are the requirements that you require for a good TV. And in the midst of that, what are you going to use that TV for? Some of you guys, right? Xbox, Halo, (laughs) Call of Duty, or you're gonna watch sports, women, you're gonna watch. I'm not sure what you watch. Uh, I'm not a woman, actually. I, my, my wife watches a lot of stuff. Like, well, we watch Blues Clues now a lot. Um, Yo Gabba Gabba, we watch a lot of that now. In high def, by the way. But here's the cool thing these things have, they're, they're, it's, it's required. You look at the specs. You look at the specifications, it's not in, it's in color, it's, it's flat screen, it's HD, it's, it has all these requirements, and in our lives, God has this, he made you individually, he has this, it, this specific plan for you, and really, what he's asking of you, the requirements of you, is to meet and to, to, to grow into his spe- specifications. Are you guys hearing me? Yeah. You're, you're growing into his, what he's requiring of you, because he has this wonderful, glorious plan. Um. I'm not really a a tool guy, um, you know. Like, there's specific tools for uh, specific purposes. How many guys like woodworking or work on cars? I know Ron does, right? There's specific tools for specific pur- purposes. You know, my wife is a a sewer and a crocheter. She like so she has like uh she has a she has two sewing machines for two different purposes. I don't know what they do, right? She has like. Her, now she does all these, like, crafts. She's a crafter, right? So she has specific tools for, for specific things. I'm not that guy that collects tools, but I used to be a landscaper, so here's my best example I can give. Um, when I used to landscape, there was a specific rake that was incredible, it was this rake. And when I first started on the job, uh, I worked for Mark Souza. Anybody don't remember Mark Souza? <laughs> yeah, I worked for Mark Souza, And I remember starting on the job, and I, I remember looking at these rakes. They're like, just, they don't look good. Like, they're just like these flimsy, small rakes, and they're kind of metal, and they kind of bend a little bit, and they're just small. And so in my mind, I'm going, you want the big rake. The bigger, the better, the more leaves, quicker job done, right? I, I pick up this rake. I'm going, ooh, this is nice. I'm like, I'm raking stuff, and, it, and, and like the metal flexes, right? And it, it picks up all the, the, the leaves off of the nice mowed grass and whatever it is. You get that big plastic rake, all it does is bounce on the grass, and you don't, right? Come on, right? And you don't get any leaves. You're like, it, it's useless. That big fancy rake that you thought, oh, I'm going to give that one to the heart, get the one that looks really bad, the one, that metal one that's really flexible, that's the best one. And the reason why I'm telling you this is in my life, and I hope in your life too, is in my personal calling. Whatever God has required me to do, whatever God has called me to do, I want to be the best tool for the job. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be the best tool, and whether that means I, I just gotta, I gotta get the requirements of the Lord. And here's the thing: we're not TVs. God's not uh, uh, creating us like like a little. Here's one. Here's like whatever, and we're a machine. Hi, how you doing? We're not robots. We have a specific thing and we're human beings. We're growing in our faith. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born with a mic in my hand, like I'm ready to preach. No, I had to learn. I had to like seek the Lord and we grow into God's calling. We grow into God's calling. We learn what he requires of us. And so um, I'm actually going to give you my personal testimony later on, Um, but I, I want to make sure that we kind of set a basis here is what are the basic things that God requires of us? If we are servants of the Lord, if we are saints, which you are, if we are saints, there's basic things, right? And here's here's some of the basic things that God requires of us. Um, I have five things, and I have some scriptures that go along with it. The first thing is, plain and simple, be obedient, right? Be obedient. Bottom line is, do what the Lord tells you to do, and I know that's a... That's kind of a, that's like an easy thing. Like, oh, that's really easy. How many of you guys know that's pretty hard, right? Come on, that, sometimes it's hard. God tells you certain things that you crazy, God. Really? That's really hard, God. I can't do that. Really, you want me to move? Like, I mean, imagine, Pastor Frank was mentioning it this morning, but Pastor Ralph. Imagine when God told him, leave your church that you built up that is really, really good, that is a powerful force in LA, drop that church and move to Hawaii and have church under a tree. Now that takes, wow, guts and obedience. That's what Pastor Ralph did. Praise the Lord for a man of God who actually obeyed the Lord, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I think, um, and, and as we discussed in our, in our pastor's uh, kind of forum about this teaching, one of the things I really believe that makes obedience not really easy, but it, it changes your mindset of going, you know what, this is why I should obey, is that it, it's really based on trust. That you actually... Know the Lord, like what Pastor Carl talked about last week. You know the Lord is king, and he actually is a better king than I am. And it makes obedience that much easier because you're going, you know what? His his thoughts are higher than mine. His ways are higher than mine. He he knows the bigger picture. He sees everything that I don't see. That's the Lord I need to trust. Actually, in uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5, very famous verse, it says, Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. It's this trust thing. It's this trust issue going, God, you are God. You're bigger than I am. Your, your thoughts are higher than I am. So when you tell me to do something, I know when I take that step of faith, boom, I know you're going to catch me, and you're going to guide me. Even though it's kind of vague, and it's misty, and I don't see what's in front of me, when I take that next step, I know you're going to reveal at least a little bit more where I'm in a safe place that you're taking care of me. It might look dangerous all around me, but I got God on my side. It's it's, trust is a huge issue when it comes to obedience. Um, The second thing that God requires of us is that we be productive, right? That we don't be couch potato Christians. That we do something. Actually, in John 15, uh, verse 16, it says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This verse specifically says is that we're not, we're not only supposed to be just good people. I'm a good, I'm a good Christian. I'm a good person. I live a good life. Really what God is saying is, I want you to bear fruit. I want fruit to come out of you, right? And what that means is like, you know, I've, I've done this, analogy like three or four times, but I'm going to do it again, so bear with me, right? If I am soaking in God and I have my roots in him and, and all of his spirit and his nutrients are coming at me and I'm a tree, right? If I'm, I'm doing that, I'm being obedient, I'm reading his word, I'm going to church, I'm going to mini church, if I'm getting all that stuff, you know what's going to pop out of me? Fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're laughing. It's like, Bloop, That's what I've, I've done this before. I'm so sorry. Bloop, right? And if you're doing that, I promise you, if you just love the Lord, his passion will come, his spirit will come, fruit will pop out of you. You will look behind you and go, whoa, dude, there's, there's people that are, are changed because of me, right? And, and really, what I, what, and I was talking to uh, somebody this morning, and he was just like, you know what? Because I actually, I, I wanted to, uh, I was um, uh, kind of recruiting him to do something. I was like, hey you know, hey man, I, I know you wanted to get into a ministry. Did you get into a ministry? I was like, no, I've, I've been waiting for someone, someone to ask me. And I'm like going, well, I'm asking now. Hey, come on down. And, and one of the things is, I'm wondering how many people are uh, sitting here going, I'm just waiting for someone to ask me. And that's great, but you know what? If you see a need, go fill it. Yeah. Go do it. Like, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was really Young in the Lord. When I first came to this church, uh, my brother, where's my, is my brother here? He sucked me in, man. He totally suckered me. He's like, hey, come to church on Friday. I'm like, it's really, really fun. Okay, cool. I come. He gives me a broom. I'm sweeping the cafeteria. And you know what? I did that for I don't even know how long. I set up and broke down at Ben Parker, which is going to be awesome when we go back. I set up and broke down for 10 plus years um, setting up church. And one of the things that I look back on that, and now, you know, now I'm a pastor, right? I stand on stage, and I'm way above. You know what I learned over there? That that job needs to be done. That somebody has to do it, right? And you know what? I did it, and it taught me humility. It taught me the, the, the work, whatever it is, whether you're standing on stage or whether no one sees you and you're swooping the floor. That, that's me being, that, and that, to be honest with you, that started on my road to getting into ministry. It's like, all right, cool. I'm, I was hanging around my brother and, and other guys growing up. Shannon Hill. Remember Shannon Hill? Yeah. Okay, me and Carl does. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> it's like Remember Shannon Hill? I'm going to talk to Carl now. Yeah, he was really good. He took a surfing. He, he actually nicknamed, nicknamed me Tom Tom. He's all, hey, you're Tom. You're Tom Tom. And then everyone started calling me Tom Tom after that. So you can call me Tom Tom too. But it started from there. It started from me setting up being around people. And they're like, hey, you're a servant of the Lord. You're faithful. And they gave me other jobs and, and whatever it was. And so I, I really, all I did was I just started doing something. Be productive for the Lord. You know, if you see a need, fill it. Um, number three is, and we've actually, for the last two weeks, we've mentioned this. This is pretty cool. Is that one of the requirements that God requires of us is that we be salt and we be light. What's our saying here? We, it's, like, it's, kind of a, it's kind of an official saying right now that Carl has kind of uh, given us. Get lit and get salty. How many guys have been saying that, right? I know in the world it has different con- con- uh, connotations, right? Get lit, right? And get sal- salty means get, get grumpy, right? F- but for us, get lit means get fired up for the Lord and burn in front of people and shine his light. And then get salty is, is to have the flavor of the Lord, right? The flavor of Jesus. Um, I love the message version of Matthew 5. It says uh, in verse 13, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? I love that. How will people taste godliness in you? Okay, I lost my place. Where am I? You, thank you. You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world, in the world. God is... Not a secret to be kept. We are we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've been uh, put here, there is uh, on a hilltop on a, light, uh, on a light stand. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, This generation, uh, this generous Father in heaven. Bottom line is flavor and light up the world for Jesus. Um, I have a similar story. Carl kind of mentioned a story with Pastor Brad about how he's like, don't mate. he was in his uh, in me time, right? And he's like, don't bother me, right? And I had a similar experience in Foodland. I was going to Foodland and it's Christmas time, right? You got, how many of you guys got, you got stuff to do, right? Thank you for coming to church, by the way, because I know you got last minute shopping to do, right? I was at Foodland. I got stuff to do. I got a list to do. And so you can get in a mindset, I'm going to do this. And God was really convicting me that week. He's like, you know what? Get into people's lives. Invest in people. You're the connect pastor, for goodness sake. (laughs) Love people, right? When I go in Foodland, right, I I got a job to do, right? And so God was convicting me. I'm walking down the aisles, and I I saw somebody I know. And so they didn't see me yet, right? (laughs) Now you know where I'm getting at, right? Come on, you're laughing because you, you know what I'm getting. You have a choice to make. Keep walking? Don't say anything? Or you say hi, right? And I know the specific person. I'm going to say hi, and it's going to be 30 minutes later, hi, right? I have stuff to do. I have to get back, right? And God's all, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? You got to be salt and light. You got to get lit and get salty, and even though this person is a Christian, you have to show Christ to them because you have no idea what's going on in their lives. And maybe they need someone to say hi to them. Amen. Good. And so I sat there and I said, hey, how you doing? <laughs> oh, hi. And boom, right in my face, right? I had to catch up because I haven't seen them in three years, so I have to talk about three years of my life. Yes, I have twins. Yes, I have babies. They're really cute. You got to see them. Oh, how's your life? Oh, I'm going to start this business. And so the whole thing, and the whole thing, I was standing there, you know what? I enjoyed it. <laughs> Come on. I actually, like, you know what? This is what community is all about. This is what Shining Jesus is all about, Right? I mean, forget, and I was talking to someone out there, right? I mean, in the midst of this season about rushing and the hustle and bustle, seriously, you have to actually stand back and enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy Christmas. And so that was one of the things that, you know what? I got to be salt and light wherever I go, in food land, in church, wherever it is. Um, the fourth thing is, and I love this one. This is the, the fourth requirement that I think we need to do is we got to be spiritual. And what does that mean? We have to be Spiritual. You have to have the Holy Spirit in your life and working in your life. You have to be filled with Him. You have to know the the Holy Spirit gifting. You have to know His power, right? You have to tap into that, right? And I I would actually admit to you guys, for a lot of my life, I didn't know how to tap into it. And I want to say, you're in a really good church that is trying to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, about His healing power, words of wisdom, prophecy, all the gifting of even hospitality, of teaching. I mean, there's so much. The the Holy Spirit is so creative, don't you guys think? That he's going to fill you with these things, right? And he's going to empower you. And I just want to say this. The Holy Spirit makes you look good. Uh, I I, I mean, I just want to say it. I'm, I'm saying it in a prideful way. I mean, it makes me look good. You know why? Because there's things that have spouted out of my mouth I'm going, ooh, that was good. That was, that was really good. And I have to go home and going, that wasn't me. That was God. That was the Holy Spirit. And, and seriously, and you know, I, you shouldn't go around, no, that was, oh, that was God, the Holy Spirit. Like, there's whatever it is. Just take the credit, whatever it is. But seriously, I was goes, ooh, that was good, Tom. And I'm going, Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking good, but it's the Holy Spirit in me making me look good. And I'm, I'm telling you this because every single one of you that is a Christian, that is a follower of Christ, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes you better looking than you are now. Even though you, you are beautiful people, let me tell you right now, I'm looking across the board, you're even more beautiful with the Holy Spirit. Be spiritual. Tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 8, it says, shouldn't we expect far greater glory Right? We've, we've read this verse before. Shouldn't we expect far gl- greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Yeah. Right. Shiny face Moses, Moses everywhere, yeah. food land everywhere. But we, we, we have it, and people are going to notice. Seriously, whether you know it or not, if you're tapped into the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, there is a difference. There is a difference about you, whether you know it or not. People are going to go, ooh, that guy's grumpy, that guy's loving. That guy has Christ. That guy has his salt and light. Um, number five is, and I, this, is, this is very crucial, number five requirement uh, of, of your calling, your personal calling, is that you be yourself. Amen. I hope that's freeing to people, that you're going, oh, man, because I think we live in a world of comparison. We live in a world of, oh, man, that person has these gifts, and that person has this. I don't know where I am. I don't have that. Um be who God made you to be. And I always kind of think this. There's always a better version of me, right? Later on. That that God is God knows who I am in the future, right? He looks at me, but he knows exactly what I'm going to uh, I'm going to be. Am I am I saying that right? God knows. And so basically, just just be yourself and let God fill you with his Holy Spirit. And then he's going to be like, he's going to build you up and he's going to use your personality, your gifting to do incredible things. In Romans 12, this is the message version. Verse 6 says this. It says, so since we find ourselves fashioned into all these uh, excellency formed and marvelously functioned parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something, this is very important, that we're not. Don't be something that you are not. Be who God created you to be. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. I love that. If you're, if you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Um, keep a smile on your face. I love that. Then Colossians 3.23 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. If you guys really believe that the Lord, if you really stand on Jeremiah 29.11, that God has a plan, has a future, and a hope for you, which I hope you do, then he has a specific plan for you. He has a specific calling for your life that is not going to look like somebody else's. It's not going to look like somebody else's. You can have mentors that are going, I'm going to strive to be like that person. I'm going, to, I'm going to take on some of his qualities. But at the end of the road, you're going to be you and, and with God's glory and God's equipping, right? Pastor Mike Kai, I, always, I love Pastor Mike Kai because he's the one that hired me. Thank you, Lord. Um, but he definitely was a, a strong disciple of Pastor Ralph, right? I mean, but you go to West Oahu, he doesn't talk like Pastor Ralph, Right? He doesn't preach like Pastor Ralph. Uh, The church looks a little bit different from us. But you know what? He is a product of Pastor Ralph, but he became uh, who God created Mike Kai to be. And I want you guys to see that. He's he's, he's different. So be who you are. And I want to even say this. Don't skip steps. Don't, you know, I I know some people that want something so bad, but they don't have the gifting or the calling for it. They're like, I want to be blah, blah, blah. I want to have this label. And they strive so hard. and, And really, they're fighting God. I don't want you guys. I want to be where God is. I want to be where God has placed me. I want to use God. I want to be used where God um, has called me to do. I don't want to do something that when I go to heaven, God's going to be like, "I didn't tell you to do that." Even though you say that's for the Lord, even though that's it says in the Bible, whatever it is, God can say, "I asked you to do something else, actually." And you know what? You would have been doing it way better than if you just did this. Are you hearing me? Right? Do what God has created to do. And so. I'm going to tell you my, my story um, of my calling in my life. And when I was thinking about this, I, I, really, I really wanted to pick out moments in my life that were just like, boom, this is where God called me. This is where God said this again, to. And so I'm going to kind of go through, like, just moments in my life were really huge that just turned, turned the ship around and actually turned my whole direction. Um, and the one thing I want to make sure that you get is that in every single instant, it wasn't, I'm going to be a pastor one day. Because you might be thinking, you've reached your calling, Tom. Pastor Tom, right? Yeah. You've, you've, reached the, you've reached the zenith of ministry life. And I want to tell you that every single stop when, I, when God called me to do something, right, I was doing exactly what God called me to do at that moment and at that time. I was obedient to that, right? And so what I'm saying to you guys is be obedient to God, what God is calling you to you now, right? And then he'll show you the future, right? And so while I'm sharing this, um, one of the the first moments I can remember is I I started coming to this church. Uh, Me and Carl became friends, and I went to the first high school camp, There hasn't been a better camp since then, I want to just tell you right now, Uh, because it changed my life, and definitely there was good camps after that, but this camp, I got called by the Lord. I got saved when I was young. Um, I went to camp, and I went to church because my mom had forced me to come to church, and I thought Hope Chapel, yeah, this is pretty cool, and oh, Carl surfs, and my brother was a junior high pastor at the time. He drives me to surf, so I better stay in the church because he drives me to the beach. So okay, I had all these things of why I came to church, and it wasn't for God, really. It was just for friendship and fellowship and surfing. Um, I went to camp, and I got zapped by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, don't, I, I can't describe it. Actually, I was with Carl. We were holding hands, but it wasn't just me and Carl. It was, we were with a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> yeah, think Carl was just like, worshiping the Lord. But I think it's interesting that we were together and holding hands, seriously. Um, but what happened was, and I've told this story before, but we both, and I think the whole line, felt the Holy Spirit literally just something zapped us from right to left, right, or whatever it was. We're sitting there, and we looked at each other, did you feel that? He's like, yeah, I felt that. And it was, it was just zapped. And, and, and not just that instant, it was this whole camp, it was the worship, it was the campfire where we, we put in the paint sticks, and we're like, this is the sin I want to get rid of, and we did the whole experience. and I came back, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I knew I was filled with the Holy Spirit, why? Because there was a difference. Remember the, the fruit I'm talking about, bloop? I didn't, go to, I didn't go to camp and got zapped by the Holy Spirit and, and I forgot about it. For some reason, there was an inkling in my heart. There was a burning in my gut that I need to get involved, that I need to do something, that I need to change this world, that I need to get my friends saved, that I need to, whatever it was, I, seriously, I had no idea. I, I had no idea what to do, but I knew I had to do something, right? And that was the first calling of my life. And I, I, want, I want that to be an accent because of the fact that I had no idea, but I... I like I said before, when in that point to be productive, I just started doing it. I started getting involved in the mini church. Um, we started doing games for the mini church. I remember I started learning the, the guitar. Me and Thomas, me and Thomas Lebanon, right here, boom. Me and Thomas Lebanon, yeah. Me and Thomas Lebanon were the youngest worship pastors to stand on the Hope Chapel stage at that time. We're pretty old now. We are. <laughs> We were the youngest. Seriously, we were 16, 15-year-olds with our guitars on stage worshiping the Lord, leading people to worship, right? We were the youngest ones. Uh, but I just just got involved. I just started doing some stuff, and whatever it was, that was the inkling. That was the start of my whole life. Uh, we got involved in mini-church. We started doing mini-church. We were so horrible at mini-church. We were bad. We were bad. Me and Carl would go to mini-church and go, are uh, you running mini-church today? Oh, I thought you were running mini-church. Okay, all right, let's go get ice cream. Well, I don't know what we... We literally... Seriously, we, we, had to get, we got confronted by our own flock. Yeah. I'm not even joking. We got sat down by someone in our church. Can I talk to you guys? You are our shepherds. Shepherd us. You know, it's like, yes, we will. It's like we were horrible, but we were doing something. Um, the, next, the next thing the next kind of moment in my life um, was I went on a mission trip. I went to Okinawa, Japan. Great. And I just felt a calling there, and we went there. We ministered to the Hafu kids, which is half Japanese, um, half American. They were, you know, just whatever, the military there and stuff. So we, we felt a calling to minister to them. And while I was there, I just, I just had this strong feeling. And this is, I, just, I distinctly remember, just, and I don't even know when, it just, I just had this overall feeling, like, I could do this for the rest of my life. I remember that. I, I remember in Japan, I'm like, I could minister. I could help people. This is what I want to do, right? And um, I was only 20-something, but I just had this deep feeling in my, my gut. Like, and whether it was a pastor, and really in my mind, I'm going, I could, I could go to Japan. I could teach English. I can help, you know, Jeff McKay, or I can go to Okinawa, or I can, I can help someone start a church and get people excited for the Lord. And I had this inkling. So when I came back from Japan... I changed my whole major, right? Um, I was business and I hated business. I'm dropping business. And um, I became an ESL, uh, uh, English as a second language major. Um, and, And the whole goal was that I was gonna go to Japan and I was gonna teach English to Japanese students and I was gonna share Jesus with them and I was gonna get involved with a local church there. And so, and basically that whole thing was like, I'm gonna do ministry for the rest of my life. And I remember my mom, now I was young, so my mom's all, you got to get a job. You got to get a job. And, and so this fire in my bones, I was like really young. I was like, I got to do something meaningful for my life. I got to do something that makes a difference. All so, You got to get a job. Like, why don't you work at Long's? I'm all, Long's, there's no meaning in Long's. You know, I was like, and am sorry if you work at Long's. I, I'm not, I'll, I was just a stupid, immature kid, right? Come on, you right. I was just like, I need to do something. I, made, I need to make a difference in the world. Long's doesn't do that. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, I had, and I end up doing landscaping and all that, but, um, but I had this thing where I had to do stuff, and and um, and actually after that, it's really interesting. I, I had this, this strong calling in my life, and I actually want to. Uh, I, I felt the Lord needed uh, wanted me to share this. Is I actually came into an interesting time in my life, where my actually my my calling actually faded away. So I want to I want to tell you about that. Where after. After being called by the Lord and getting excited and actually saying, yes, Lord, I will do ministry in your life, I came into my college years and uh, my calling kind of dissipated. It it kind of, I I, I lost my passion. Um, I, I was leading worship. I was doing mini church. I was in the youth group. I was doing stuff, but I was in maintenance mode. Um, I, I, I wasn't getting excited about the Lord. And it's one of those things, right? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are in ministry right now sitting here, and you've know, I know some of you guys are in the back. It's like, oh, another camp. <laughs> yeah. Right? Here comes another camp, and there's another Sunday night where I have to lead the worship. And I wasn't, you know, it, my, something was then. I, I remember um, uh, a couple weeks ago we had to go uh, to, uh, we got to hear Pastor Brian Houston. He came down here to do, let's, uh, to talk to pastors, and one of the things he said is, oh, you know what maintenance does? If you are just maintaining, maintaining steals your passion. That's what he said. He says, maintaining, if you're just going, oh, I'm just going to do this for the Lord, I've got to do this, and I'm just like, status quo, I'm not listening to the Lord, um, you know, I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit, I'm not being spiritual, and I was just like, oh, i just got to do it because I'm, no one can, else can do it, and I'm, I'm here to do it. I lo- the maintaining mode stole my passion. My passion just dissipated. Right? And I, I would have to say that I was uh, also selfish at that time. I was like, it was all about me, right? I wasn't here to, for the kingdom. I wasn't here for God. I was here to be Tom. It's me time. And it was me time all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I lost it I, for years, seriously. And I just want to tell you guys, the encouraging thing is, if you're in that mode right now, if you're in the wilderness, if you're in a place of, of maintaining, I want to say this. God has passion for you to give. To, to, to give to you. Get off yourself. Focus on God. Start worshiping him. Gain that passion back. God wants to give it to you back. And seriously, now I know the signs of when I slip into that even on my job now as a pastor. I go, you know what? Do I remember back then? I slipped into that. And I know what to, to avoid now. It's keep that passion for the Lord. Keep loving him. That's the most important thing. Keep that passion for others. And so, and here's, here's the interesting in the midst of the wilderness Hey, I got time. Um, in, the midst, in the midst of the wilderness, just something really interesting happened. I graduated from college. Finally, thank you, Lord. It took me 10 years. Okay. That's another, that's another sermon in, in itself. I finally graduated, and um, Mike Kai calls me up, and he says, Hey, do you want to be the junior high pastor? Now, I had a calling in my life. Like I said, I'm in the midst of this wilderness where I'm selfish and I'm maintaining and I have no passion, right? And um, I didn't have a, you know, when he asked me that, I didn't have like a vision from the Lord. You must do this, Tom, this is you, right? You know, I took the job. Can I be honest with you guys? You know I took the job? I needed a job. I'm I'm being completely honest. I I graduated from college. I need Monet, Right? (laughs) I I need to, you know, I I need to live life. I need to, you know, supply. And so I took, really, I took the job out of purely, not purely. I I don't have to say that. In my view, selfish reason. I just want to tell you guys, isn't that the grace of the Lord? Uh That that God, and then when I'm telling you that God sees a bigger picture, God knew that he planted something in my heart. God knew back when you're 20, when he said, I will follow you, Lord. I will do ministry for you. I will do whatever it takes. Back then in Okinawa, when I said that to the Lord, God knew that was there. All that time in the dormant stage, in the place where the passion was dissipating, where I was like maintaining, in the midst of that, there was a seed. And when that seed was activated by saying yes to my yes, I will take the job. Whatever reason I took it for, God activated that, that dream in my heart. All right, guys hearing that he activated it and when I came into touch and one of the first junior hires I met was Trevor Fergie and he hated me because I teased him I was like that's what junior high pastors are hard to do right you gotta tease your kids right you gotta <laughs> bust them down right no Brad McKinney came out of it no so um Mel Pereira I remember Mel Pereira uh, Tiare, I remember all those guys. Those are those my junior hires. And when I came into contact with them, that whole fire came back. It's like, this is why I'm doing this. I fell in love with the Lord again. I'm like, oh, I love the Lord. The Lord is good. And when I got into it, it's like, bam. I, and the, the funny thing was, I was already trained for the job, right? We, we were horrible mini church pastors before, so I learned all my lessons back then. And I, I, I'm good now. I'll be your shepherd, right? And so what happened was it just ignited me. And, um, and good, good things happened, and God was calling me to do that. Um, further on, I was in the job, and actually, uh, Carl came back from, uh, Carl and Kanani came back from the mainland. And God called him back because, well, actually, Ralph asked you to come back, right? Come back, or we're not going to ask you again. So he came back and became the youth pastor. And in the midst of that, there's something really interesting. And how many guys remember a couple months ago that uh, Carl um, said that the story where God calls me Sam. Does anybody remember that? Okay, and I was a little uncomfortable with, not because Carl said it, but it's like, you know, what did you think of me? It's like, God calls you Sam? Like, you just talk to God and it's like, hey, Sam. You know, it's like, a little weird, right? Can I explain that to you guys right now? Okay, cool. Um, what happened was, we were going through this book called uh, Waking the Dead by John Eldridge, a great book. And in the, one of the chapters, John Eldridge um, writes that he went on this kind of like retreat he went into the wilderness he went into the woods for like four days and he actually asked God God who do you think I am right who who am I in your eyes he was asking God who am I so he's seeking the Lord and you know what the Lord told him you are William Wallace anybody see Braveheart right so John Eldridge. they're not cool God specifically said, I don't know how he did it, but John, you are our our brave heart. You are William Wallace, right? And so it inspired him to write these books, to do what he's doing. So the, the fruit of it was literally in my hands. And so I was like, that's pretty cool. I want to know what God thinks of me. So I did it. I sought the Lord. I said, Lord, Who am I in your eyes? Well, come on, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be William Wallace. You know, you know what the answer was. After I don't know how long, he said, "You are Samwise Gamgee." (laughs) Now I know by your laugh that you know who Samwise Gamgee is. If you do not know who Samwise Gamgee is, I will tell you. uh, He's a character in the Lord of the Rings. He's a hobbit. He's a chubby, short hobbit, actually. <laughs> and li- I'm not. Ju- I'm like, I'm all, really, Lord? I I, I got. Ma- I seriously, I'm like, D- dude, God, really? I'm Samwise Gamgee. Like, come on, I'm already short. I already got like an con- with the short man syndrome. Like, come, you gotta help me out, Lord. Come on, right? So after I got over my ego and my pride, I actually sought the Lord. Okay, what does that mean? And I love Lord of the Rings. Anybody with me? Come on. I, I, it's like, and so the Lord knows my heart. So he, that's how good the Lord is. Lord knows my heart. He knows that. Um, I love the movie. I know all the stories. And Samwise Gamgee was a faithful friend to Frodo. How many of you guys know that? And he helped Frodo go up into, the, uh, into Mordor to let go of the ring, whatever it is. And then there's that famous scene where um, Frodo was trying to go by himself. Anyone remember that. He's all, I'm just going to go. I'm going to leave everybody right? Anybody with me? He's in the boat, right? And someone's like, I will not let you go. And he's like, he can't even swim. He's like, I will not leave you, Frodo, Mr. Frodo. I will not leave. I don't know the exact whatever it is. And I, it came to mind, that's who I am. I'm supposed to, and seriously, and what came to mind was, sorry to say, your pet lead pastor is Frodo. So right on. You have two hobbits leading the way here. May the hair on your feet never fall off. Okay. But seriously, it was in the midst of this, uh, it was right in the middle of the time when Pastor Ralph said to Carl, Carl, one day you're going to take over this church. And I was like, okay. And basically what God was telling me is, you're going to help him do it. Okay, cool. I always cry for you guys. Okay. But here's the thing, and I want to tell you guys this. I, even though I was embarrassed that, God, you're calling me Frodo. Oh, sorry. So when he calls me Frodo, I'll start another church. Okay. Um, I didn't think I was equipped to be Sam. Sam. I was, I was going through my own stuff at the time. And uh, in reality, Carl had to help me, actually. And I didn't think I could do it. And so for a long time, I just kind of kept it in my heart. And God knew that, seriously. God, God, in his, all his mercy and grace, Knew that, was capable of doing it. And the story with that, that uh, Carl told was uh, we actually went to go see uh, this lady, a, a prophet, a prophet, uh, Anthony Phyllis, great lady. And, and I wanna, here's a little side note. The little side note is if you go to see someone that is, has a gifting of, of prophecy and they, they kind of specialize in that, Make sure that they love Jesus more than they prophesy. Make sure that, that they're reliable, that they love Jesus and people more than they're going, I'm a prophet of God. So this lady had, had it. She, she loved Jesus with all her heart. And so I trusted this woman. So, you know, and I've, 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 I went to her, and we all kind of went there, Carl I was there. And so she's prophesying over me, and it's kind of cool, right? And she, she I don't even... I kind of forget what she said, to be honest with you. And she's finished up finishing up her prophecy. And she looks at me. Well then go do it, Sam. <laughs> so go go and, go and do the work, Sam. Like she like like that. She's like, hey, go do it. And then I could hear people, and I'm not even sure who it was. So his name's not Sam. <laughs> it's Tom. Because we're, we're, she was doing it in front of a whole group. We are at the Times Coffee Shop. Like, this, this, and then she's like, I know, I know, I know. You're Sam. And so I'm freaking out. Come on. I'm, I'm freaking out. And then I walked back. I remember walking back, and I think it was Kanani. I think I saw Kanani. And then I, walked, I was literally, I, I literally got off the stage, and I walked out because I was so, I was like walking like this, like, what the, what just happened, right? I'm heading to the door, and kind of, just like, dude, what was that, what was that? What, what, he called you Sam, like, as a joke, he called you Sam, I'm like, that's what God calls me, I'm like, I'm Sam. (laughs) Uh, I I just literally, I walked out the door. I I walked out, straight out the door. And, and seriously, I I really believe, and it's a work in progress, guys, that I've learned how to help Carl, And and I'm not saying I'm, you know what? All of us are, you know what? Not everyone is called to be a, a lead pastor. That's a, that's a special role that, that, that someone called. It's a tough job. But you know what? Someone has to be the number twos. You, you know what I'm hearing? You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not number two in charge. I'm saying all of us are number twos as far as supporting our lead pastor. Come on. Right? All of us have to take the role of the supporting role that there has to be a job to be done. Just like when I learned back when I was setting up and breaking down Ben Parker. That job had to be done by somebody. Someone's called to do that. Someone's gifted to do that, seriously. And, and so basically we're number 10. So God called me. That. And so it's kind of an interesting thing is that when people come up to me, I've, 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 I've actually... Um, People come to me a lot. It's like, hey, when are you going to start another Hope Chapel? Where are you going to go? And you know what? Because I know who I am am I calling, you know what my answer is? Nope, I'm called here. And I, I know, and, and like I said, if God goes, you're not Sam anymore, you're Frodo, then I'll go out. I hope he says I'm Aragorn or something cool like Gandalf. Come on. I don't want to. Be... Come on, God. Come on, God. Give me, give me a break here. Come on. Um. But I, I just wanted to tell you guys that. And so, what does that mean to you guys? I don't want this sermon to be just about me. Um, I want it to be about you, about your calling. And maybe you're sitting here going, man, that's an incredible story, Tom. That's, that's a God thing. That, that, and you might be even saying, that ain't going to happen to me. That, that, that's, just, that's just unique. And you know what? You're exactly right. It's not going to happen to you. Because why? Because God has a specific plan for you. He has a, has a specific miracle that he's going to do in your life. If you seek him, if you ask the right questions, I dare you, seriously, go, go to God this week and go, who am I to you? Who am I to you? Ask him. And actually, I want to read the scripture in uh, Matthew 7, verse 7. It says, it's a message version. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And if you are sitting here and going, you know what? I want to know my personal calling. I want to know what God requires of me specifically. Right? If I'm made to do something, well, what is it, God? Well, then my advice to you, ask. My advice to you, seek. My advice to you, knock. Keep on searching. Keep on going. Keep, you know, it's like a lot of people, they'll give up. Like, you know, they're like, hey, anybody here? Oh, no one's home. Okay, you give up. You want to find out? Seek the Lord and Amen. seek it. Just keep going. Amen. And one of the things that I know in my life, what the story I just told you was a story it, over 20-something years. I just gave you the highlights of my life. But it was a process of me going, okay, God, and, and me actually, right, I told you that I actually stepped away. And then I came back. And really what it is is, is you're, you're asking the Lord. You're going, ask, who am I to you? You're seeking the Lord, which means you're seeking. Where do I serve? I see a need. I'm going to fill it, right? You're knocking. You're actually acting upon it. You're actually doing what God has required you to do. You're doing it. And what you're doing is, how many of you guys know the term sweet spot? You know the term, like, it's, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a sporting term sweet spot like in tennis right on your racket there's like the sweet spot so every time you hit the tennis ball it's gonna like you can control the ball wherever you're like whoo yeah forehand if you hit it right in that spot right um on a surfboard when you stand up there's a sweet spot on your board where where every time you put your feet here that's where you're gonna rip the most right that's what happens when i get my sweet spot but i'm ripping it up <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, I'm in the sweet, th- right, seriously, and what you have to do really is find it when you're standing up, especially if you haven't, haven't surfed in a while, you have to move your feet around, or you have to like find where it is, and you're just like, ooh, there it is, oh yeah, you know, and you, and I know it's kind of funny, but what you're doing is, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, I'm finding the sweet spot, because when you find the sweet spot where the Lord is, that's where your calling is, that's where, that's where you're being honest with yourself, with your gifting, who you are, you know who you are, and who you are not, because basically you can say yes to this and no to that, and because this is what God has called me to do. And what you're going to do, you're going to fulfill something in the body of Christ that no one else can do. Are you guys with me? I, I really believe God has a very specific, special, incredible, miraculous story for each and every single one of you ahead. And the awesome thing about it in my story is, is that God has the grace enough to see you how you're going to be and not who you are now. In his grace and his mercy, you, 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 you reach the level of his requirements and his specifications. That's, all, that's how good our God is, isn't he? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I want to thank you so much for uh, just my personal calling, that I get to share it. Uh, Thank you so much. I just, I humbly come before you and just go, thank you for the privilege that I get to stand in front of these people and tell my story. And Lord, I pray for every single person here. What I said is the absolute truth, that you have a specific, unique, miraculous, incredible calling on each and every single life. You... You know exactly, they are your masterpieces. You have a plan. You, never, you know every single hair on their head. And Lord, I just pray that we would be people that would ask and seek and knock and, and find where you want us to be, God. Where you want us to fit in the body of Christ. I pray that you would uh, challenge us to get out of our comfort zones, out of the maintenance mode if we're there that we, we kind of get out of our own selves, that we, we, we go, you know what? This is all about you, the Lord. It's not about me. But Father God, if we all do, God, if we, always, if we all get into the sweet spot, oh my gosh, we're gonna see incredible, incredible things happen before our eyes. And I pray that for every single person here that we get into the sweet spot of the Lord and that we be effective and motivated and powerful for your name.